Okay, high time now for our tune of the week. Come on, let's go. This is the Media Industry Guru Show, the show that exposes you to entertainment, music, film, TV, and tech. Online 24-7, 24-7. You're listening to the hottest internet station. Hello, and welcome back to the Media Industry Guru Podcast. Today, I have a very special guest who is the former president of National Lampoon and has been an executive for IFC and Sundance TV, NBCU, and the Public Theater. He currently is an executive producer and is a professor at NYU and Fordham. Over his career, he has made tons of impact within the media industry and is also a cartographer and became recognized as the unofficial official cartographer of the media universe. He has also gotten into the podcasting space and is currently producing Roast of Your Teenage Self and Next with Novo. He is also producing the feature film called Grim Legacy on Disney+, Plus, the feature All Over Christmas with Vortex Pictures, and the series Cooper's Bar for AMC. Let's welcome Emmy Award winning, Peabody Award winning, creative executive Evan Shapiro to the podcast. Hi Evan, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for doing this. Sure, thank you. So tell us how you got started in the media industry. You said it was just compulsion. Did you have any family mentors or people in the industry that you've looked up to, or was it just like instinct? Uh, yeah, nobody in my family is in showbiz. Actually, that's not true. My my aunt uh, Bonnie um, was in, involved in theater around where I grew up in the Philadelphia area, and uh, going to see her in shows really got gave me the theater bug, and then. Um, she would take me to theater. My mom would take me to theater. And that really, you know, that and watching hours and hours and hours and hours of television was really what got me into the arts. Um, uh, First uh, uh, venture was in high school theater where I did a lot of theater. um, And then I continued to do that in college. And then I moved to New York to write and direct. And I would do that. I would write theater and, and direct theater at night. And then during the day, I was lucky enough to work in the mm. arts. So first in modern dance uh, and then in theater um, where I worked uh, for Cameron McIntosh on Miss Saigon and Cats and, and Phantom mm. of the Opera, uh, selling tickets, actually. And then for an advertising agency doing um, marketing for the Who's Tommy and Angels in America. And then I was lucky enough to, to get a job as the head of marketing for the New York Shakespeare Festival, the Public Theater, Shakespeare in the Park. And I helped create the brand there that they still use to this day, uh, 20 plus years later. And from there, I opened an agency um, for live entertainment. And then one of my clients was a television network. They hired me as head of marketing. And uh, then I was in the television and film industry and kind of the rest is history. Wow. So you would say one of your first jobs in kind of the creative arts is working in theater and then you transition because it was just timing with a client going into the film space. Uh, actually, uh, yeah. So I had a couple 
clients that were in the film and television space, uh, a lot of clients that were in the digital space. Uh, it wasn't film was my first inside job. I got hired by a, a television network called Core TV, which is now True TV. Mm -hmm. Although now Core TV is also back as a digital channel as well. And then I did some fun stuff there and, and the ratings went up and um, then IFC hired me as uh, head of marketing. Uh, and I made some major changes there. And then less than a year later, I became the head of the channel, general manager. Um, and that was really kind of off to the races. Then I started producing films mm -hmm. uh, and television shows like Greg the Bunny and a mm -hmm. uh, film called This Film Is Not Yet Rated. Uh, and then I helped the company buy Sundance Channel and I ran both. Mm. Um, and then I helped, uh, I turned IFC into a comedy channel and I was one of the first executive producers on Portlandia. Um, I helped, you know, create that show. It's, I'm the reason it was in Portland. So it would be <laughs> called something else. And uh, from there, I started a television division for participant media. I did a show there with George, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, which won an Emmy. Um, I did a show called Please Like Me, which was Josh Thomas's first uh, foray into the United States. Then I went to NBC, where I created CISO and produced a show with Dan Harmon, produced a show with My Brother, My Brother and Me, she produced the first sitcom that had a female lesbian couple as the stars called Take My Wife. Um, did a lot of fun stuff there. Did the first trans comedy stand-up special um, with Ian Harvey. Um, I did Laurie Kilmartin's uh, stand-up special, uh, Janine Garofalo's stand-up special. And then since then I've been out, you know, I worked at National Lampoon for a year or two, um, produced National Lampoon uh, Radio Hour podcast, which I'm very proud of with uh, Cola Scola and Joe Firestone. And then more recently, I've been out on my own producing. Uh, I'm producing a film for Disney Plus based on a series of YA books. I'm producing a film that's a time travel Christmas movie with a company called Vortex in Canada. I'm producing a podcast called Roast of Your Teenage Self. I'm producing another podcast <laughs> uh, called uh, Next with Novo. Um, and I've got a lot of other projects as well. So I think one of the watchwords of my career has been the ability to pivot and change lanes mm -hmm. um, as the industry shifts. Um, and, you know, doing these maps of the media universe, which when I call myself a cartographer, that's what that means. You know, that, that I did that for, um, first my, my college courses, I teach at NYU and Fordham. So I created this map of the uni media universe. Mm -hmm. Sorry about the siren outside. <laughs> um, uh, um, I created this map of the media universe that enables people to zoom out and okay. look at the industry from 30,000 feet or 30,000 miles. You know, that's been something I've been able to do is to take a beat, zoom back out, look where the industry is heading mm -hmm. and change lanes so that I can be where it's going, not just where it's been. Um, so right now I'm working on a comic book that's gonna be an NFT. Wow. Uh, I'm okay. working on a media company that's gonna use subscriptions as nfts so I, mm. i'm i'm getting out I'm, I'm constantly trying to reteach myself the industry so i can get out ahead of it so i can remain relevant frankly yeah it's really cool how you have a lot of hats right now that you're diving into whether it's podcasting film content creation um and also nfts because in this industry a lot of people have told me that it's kind of like quicksand and you need to think on your toes kind of three to four years ahead or else you'll drown in the sand. And it's fascinating how you're at the forefront of all these areas. So do you recommend that for recent grads or students kind of trying to figure out uh, basically what the heck they're doing, trying to figure out this industry? 
think the the best piece of advice I can give you is to just be curious every day when you wake up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the assignments I give to my classes at NYU and Fordham is to make a, they have to write a presentation each week about something that's happened in the industry. Okay. Um, and not all of them present. I They don't know who's going to present, so I randomly <laughs> pick them. And, you know, the, 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 the thing I challenge them with is I don't care what the topic is, just be well-informed and have an opinion on it. And that's really kind of one of the key aspects. You know, you don't have to learn, you don't have to do the aspects of the business that you don't mm-hmm. like, but you should know about all aspects of the business. If you're a filmmaker and you don't understand social media, it's very unlikely that your film is going to be heard of. Yep. If you're currently an artist and you don't know what NFTs are, I'm not saying you have to do them, but you should know what they are because it's a really interesting uh, uh, turn of events for artists. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you if you're uh, uh, in the creative arts at all and you're not understanding what's happening in Web three, in Roblox and Fortnite, or in the creator economy on Patreon, on Cameo, mm-hmm. um, on TikTok, if you're not conversant in these areas there's a great chance you're going to miss an opportunity to mm-hmm. get your project funded, get your project seen, get recognized, get hired, um, you know, stay educated, um, yeah. re- remain, remain current, um, mm-hmm. be, be wake up stupid every day and learn <laughs> about the industry in real time um, because it's changing at lightning speed. Mm-hmm. And since you've been at the forefront in such high level positions, I'm assuming you probably had to take some sort of risks in your journey to get there. So what were some of those risks and how did you overcome them? Yeah, I'm, I, I would argue that I've probably taken too many risks. Um, <laughs> you know, not every job I've had has ended as I would want it. Um, CISO was not a huge success. Um, for many different reasons, despite the fact that I still believe it was a great idea. I don't know. I obviously certain parts of it didn't go exactly as I planned. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I overcome them by I took the weekend off after I left NBC and then I went out and started doing new things. Mm-hmm. Um, work begets work. Um, <laughs> if you sit around at any point and worry if you're waiting for someone to call you, you could be waiting a very long time. And so yeah. being active, being out there, um, you know, work begets work, keep working. Even if you're not working for someone else, you should be working for yourself. Right now, mm-hmm. the artists should be the CEO of themselves. <laughs> and if you're not yeah. thinking about it that way, you know, you're not gonna, you know, you look at the cast of Hype House. Mm-hmm. which is a show on Netflix. And it's a mm-hmm. bunch of TikTok talkers who are all now super famous and super rich. Um, yeah, I don't love the show. I don't really love what any of them do. I'm not a really a big fan of any of them. However, I do admire their gumption. I admire their entrepreneurial mm-hmm. spirit. I admire that each one of them is a business person about what they do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Charlie D'Amelio has a show on Hulu. Um, you know, Dragon has a cosmetics line. Um, Huddy is launching an album. Like these people are, they hustle and they hustle hard all the yeah. time. That's what you're up against. Like if your last name isn't Streep, 
Um, <laughs> and you, or your last name isn't You're Howard right. or your last name isn't someone famous. Like a lot of these stars are, it's in their family. So that's what you're going to get. And I'm mm -hmm. nothing against any of those people who became successful. But on the other hand, if your parents aren't in the business, getting in the business is not easy. And no, it's, not. it's a, it's a hustle. And if you're not hustling, you will get left behind. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. You have to really think on what's next for the industry, how I can help the industry out and not just uh, think about your own career growth. Now you're kind of doing your own journey. What do you enjoy about entrepreneurship and what would you recommend for students that want to be like entrepreneurial? Should they work for a corporate structure initially and then transition to forming their own business? I think you should think about if you want to be in the industry, whether it's on the marketing end, the writing end, the performing end, you should think about yourself as your own company from day one. Um, okay. So if you're not making content on a regular basis or working with someone who is making content or being part of a collaboration, I mean, you're making a podcast, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's a great example. Um, then I think, I think you're making a mistake because even just failing at that is educational. And yeah. The other part of it is if you're interviewing for a job or an internship and you are an entrepreneur, that's a super interesting thing. People want to hear about that. Hiring managers definitely want to hear, even if it's not going all that well, they want to hear about your effort. They want to hear that you're a self-starter. So, mm -hmm. you know, that's a big part of it. The second part of it is internships. Internships, internships, internships. You should be starting to look for internships your sophomore year, your, the summer between your, uh, at the latest, the summer between your sophomore year and your junior mm -hmm. year. Um, and then you should have an internship every semester from that point forward. It's mm -hmm. more important than your classes. <laughs> Internships are more important than your classes. Internships are far more important <laughs> than your classes. I teach two classes at two different universities. I can tell you the likelihood of getting hired out of college at any company or making it in, as a as a professional in the media business is entirely tied to having good quality internships and using those to network mm -hmm. that is that is a hundred percent true it's never not true take one last class every semester take longer to graduate but do a some that internship every semester if you have to you know i talked to students who are in their mm -hmm. junior year who haven't had an internship and they're like, ah, my classwork's too heavy. I'm like, take a one less class. 25 years from now, no one's gonna give a shit how many classes you took. And by the way, they're not gonna care what your GPA was. What they're gonna care yeah. is <laughs> what kind of employee are you? What kind of manager are you? What kind of contributor to the, to the ecosystem? Should people work for big corporations? That's a taste thing. That's really <laughs> like, I don't like working for big corporations. Some people love working for big corporations. Mm -hmm. It's really just a matter of like, what do you like? Mm -hmm. um, I would argue that early stage career, especially internships and up, smaller companies tend to be more educational. Like you, you get to learn more about a business at a smaller company because mm -hmm. you're closer to the center of it as yep. an in, even as an intern than you would be as as uh, at you know a major trillion dollar corporation. Yep. Um, but you know the 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 internship program at at CBS and NBC are both really really strong. Um, I can't really talk about Amazon and Netflix, but because mm. I don't know how what the internship programs are like there. But you know I, I can't imagine they're they're not okay. Um, <laughs> it, yeah. It's really about being in circulation. Um, so on the one hand, put yourself out there, be entrepreneurial. On the other hand, go work at companies and get experience, and most importantly, network. 
meet people, make them like you, (laughs) and then (laughs) keep them in your network and continually follow up with them. I couldn't agree more. The two main takeaways are networking and the valuable internship experience and post college, the the experience is super valuable because a lot of people don't ask where you went to school. They ask, what was your experience like? Yeah. Very few people give a shit what your GPA is. Like almost no one cares what your GPA (laughs) was. They just care. Like, where did you intern? Where did you intern? Because a lot of people like have that magna cum laude title, but they don't have the same experience and everybody has that title. So I've hired at least a dozen students from my classes over the years at NYU. Mm -hmm. I couldn't tell you, never cared about their GPA, never looked at their (laughs) GPA, didn't even, I mean, yeah, they did well in my class, but that's how I got to know them. But in every single case, I couldn't, I never looked at their GPA. It just wasn't important to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, What was important to me was, could they hustle? Were they smart? (laughs) Um, And were they trustworthy? Mm -hmm. Those are really good qualities. So let's talk about media war and peace. Explain what gave you the idea for this and give us a little elevator pitch about it. So this is a good example. I I started publishing daily on LinkedIn about two, three years ago. And um, I did it as a way to basically market my business. Promoting yourself is not really, it's very hard to do without falling, like looking like a self promoter. Mm -hmm. Um, Content, putting out good content on a regular basis that people trust and rely on is great marketing. And it depends on what kind of marketing you're trying to do. But for me, it, it, I was writing about the media business. And then I published my map on my LinkedIn page and it just totally blew up. Deadline Hollywood picked it up and so on. Then, you know, I was writing a lot about the creator economy and I decided to jump into it. Substack is a uh, bespoke newsletter platform um, and it's very easy to publish on it and it runs all the economics in the background for you. Mm -hmm. There are now 1.5 million paying subscribers on Substack. And so I write Media War and Peace on Substack. I still publish on LinkedIn every day, but I typically will once a week push to my newsletter, which is a much longer deep dive into something. Mm -hmm. Um, And the the pitch of it is, I was gonna write a textbook about, eh, I don't know about that. It's, it's, It's pretty much, it's, it's, it's a deep dive into the war for attention. Hmm. Um, it's a it's a it's a it's a report from the front, um, from the battle over your brain. Hmm. Um, and so, you know, the, today this week's post was about, or this week's issue was about the churn of streaming services and why major media companies don't tell us how many subscribers are canceling on a monthly basis. They they never tell us. These are publicly traded companies who have shareholders, who do earnings calls, who put out earnings reports every quarter, and they never, ever mention how many subscribers cancel every month. <laughs> Netflix, who has the lowest churn, which is the cancellation rate in the business, mm-hmm. has 5 million cancellations every month. Every month, 5 million people cancel Netflix. Wow. 60 million people a year. Now, they have 220 2 million subscribers. So 60 million as a percentage of 222. And and remember for every, you know, they're also gaining subscribers every month too. So it's the difference between how many subscribers you gain and how many subscribers you lose is your net ad per that month. Mm -hmm. Disney loses more. You know, (laughs) Apple loses more, not in pure numbers, but at a higher percentage. And I just, my piece was like the math behind churn 
and why and asking the question actually showing the reason why these companies never talk about it to their own shareholders they never mm. mention how many cancellations they get on a monthly basis to their own shareholders <laughs> and the yes. more disappointing part of this <laughs> is they sit on these calls with these analysts from fidelity and chase bank and mm. you know, all these other places and none of those analysts ask about it why is that that's really so that was the that was this week's newsletter so those are those are that's a long elevator pitch um (laughs) but and if you subscribe uh it's only five dollars and five cents a month uh fifty dollars a year 111 dollars for the rest of your (laughs) life if you choose to do a lifetime membership um but what what i love about it is i now can earn a living i was going to write a textbook for my class and the economics of a textbook are terrible, first of all. They're hard to write, second of all. And by the time you publish it, it's out of date. So rather than publish a textbook, I decided to write this newsletter because this is a textbook that's living. It's breathing. Yeah. It's updated daily. So mm-hmm. that's that's what was the impetus for it. Yeah, that's really awesome that you allow your students to like read these articles and case studies because a lot of colleges are kind of shifting towards that method rather than the textbook theory method because case studies are really applicable to the real world so that students can gain like more business knowledge and that acumen. You also mentioned the intersection of like analytics and media and tech. They're really at the forefront like for artists, content creators, film producers, etc. So where do you think analytics and tech are headed within the film industry? The green lighting of film is now basically entirely reliant on analytics. Like mm-hmm. Netflix makes its green lighting decisions based on the data that they have access to. Mm-hmm. Uh, Amazon green lights its stuff based on the analytics that it has yeah. access to. They all are relying on their own version of big data. Um, the, the problem with data today in the entertainment industry is we used to have a shared metric called Nielsen, um, Mm -hmm. but now we have no shared data. Everybody controls their own data. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's really hard to compare Squid Game to Ted Lasso. It's really hard to compare um, The Boys to uh, Hacks. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so that's problematic. That said, if you're looking for a career if you're looking for a career in the entertainment industry that's enormously influential, understanding data, being a being a data scientist, being a researcher, being mm-hmm. uh, a program researcher, the influence those folks like because Netflix gets the data right, so they get all this data on an yeah. ongoing basis. But someone has to analyze it. <laughs> it, it doesn't come to to our desks fully formed and yeah. oh, this is what you know. Like that that map I make of the media universe is entirely driven by data, but I made mm-hmm. the decision on how to narrate it. Mm-hmm. And so the person who receives, analyzes, and puts out the data pretty much dictates what the world gets to see. Mm-hmm. So it's a really influential sector of the media yeah. economy that most people in college don't really know that much about. And it's because it's not sexy. Yeah. It's not in front of the camera. You're not writing. Like, not that many people know it's an available uh, 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 career, but it is perhaps the most influential part of the media ecosystem because yeah. whoever analyzes the data and how they decide to tell the story that it, that it offers mm-hmm. pretty much dictates what any of us watch mm-hmm. on an ongoing basis. Wow. Yeah. It's really become a pivotal thing in this uh, sector. And to wrap things up, could you share some last tips, wisdom, or advice for students? Any additional resources that you would recommend students kind of inquiring about? 
there's a there's a, a really great newsletter that comes out every day, uh, which is free, uh, called Media Star. And what it is is it's simply just a list of articles that got published the the previous day, and um, it's a really great aggregator. It's the first thing I read every morning, and they're just they're just great. Um, okay, uh, I think um, if you can read anything and everything that Amanda Lotz has written. Um, she writes a book a year, basically. Uh, her last one is called uh, Media Disrupted. It's on my shelf back there. Um, it's a required reading in my class right now. I would read Scott Galloway on a regular basis. He has a free newsletter called Mercy and Malice. Um, he also has a really good podcast. I would make sure that you you know check out Deadline Hollywood and Variety on a you know at least weekly, if not daily basis. Um, and then frankly, the best lesson I can give anybody is, you know, up your LinkedIn game, you know, if it, it, whether no matter what part of the, the media economy you want to work in, you know, have a LinkedIn page that's interesting, that that has mm -hmm. things to read on it. Um, and then figure out the types of companies you want to work for, and then yeah. reach out to people on LinkedIn at those companies mm -hmm. and ask for a 15 minute advice session <laughs> on Zoom. Yeah. Most people will say yes. Many will say no, but there's no harm in asking. Yeah. And the ones who say yes, they will give you good advice. And you've Definitely. now made a personal connection that at some point down the line will very likely pay off. For you. Yeah, that's really good wisdom. Anything upcoming exciting in terms of your personal or professional career? Sure. I have a I have a, a comic book as NFT coming out some point in uh, this quarter uh, called Darkland, which is uh, basically a Veep ga and Game of Thrones had a baby. Um, <laughs> and uh, that's a lot of fun. That'll be on Macroverse. Uh, produce a podcast called uh, Roast of Your Teenage Self, which we're actually mm -hmm. going to launch a Twitch version of very soon. And uh, I have a scripted uh, podcast that's going to come out on Sirius and, and Stitcher in March, which I can't talk about yet. Um, so Ooh. look for that. And then, yeah, uh, if you go to if you if you go to my LinkedIn profile um, or you follow me on Twitter at eShap, um, you can find my newsletter um, and other stuff that, I, that I'm doing. Awesome. Thank you, Evan. And wishing you all the best success, both personally and professionally with your endeavors in 2022. And congrats on everything that you've achieved. Can't wait Thanks. to learn more. <laughs> Thanks so much. It was great talking to you. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of the Media Industry Guru podcast. Check out the Instagram at Media Industry Guru for all the details on the latest and coolest, I mean coolest, upcoming episodes that you will here. Email at media industry guru podcast at gmail.com for any other interviews that you would like to hear or if you would like to be on the air and give a little promo or talk about yourself or just even chat with me because you know I'm I'm doing this. I'm invested in this. And tune in weekly 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern on Tuesdays on the Anchor app, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, Breaker, and many more streaming platforms. Thanks again for all of the support and peace out and let's rock and roll.